Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 83 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Summary of the Book of Revelation, Part 18, Chapter 6, The Tuskegee Study. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. If you've been here at New Life any length of time, you realize it has the DNA here is a little different. Not that there aren't other churches with the same spiritual DNA, but the DNA of of New Life, it's in the true sense of a word. I'm going to say it out loud. It's an apostolic church, and uh, that doesn't mean I'm an apostle. It doesn't mean Pastor Steve's an apostle. That's not the definition that we're giving. It's an apostolic church. What does that mean? It means that we send out apostles. And an apostle is someone who's sent on a mission. So therefore, missionaries are apostles. I hope you can make that slide into the greater definition of what that is. So missionaries are sent ones, or in the true sense of the word, they're apostles. And this church has more of an apostle-type makeup. So therefore, we have to run lean. This is not a church where we're trying to grow a mega church. This is a church which has been called by God to be an apostolic church, and that's where we're covering over missions. And you call missions, but I'd love for you to bring a more biblical definition to missions with apostolic. They're being sent with a message. And it just so happens that the biblical mandate, if you will, or model, is for a church body, a group, to send them out. And that's what you just witnessed. It's very biblical. And also, if you're the missionary operating and walking in the apostolic, you need the covering too. And that missionary knows they need the covering. They know that they need it. And so here, when people come to this church with callings and missions on their mind or whatever, we know what we're looking at. And that is you have a home base. It's not necessarily that you are come to this church to build your ministry. You come to this church as a covering, if you will, or to be in relationship because all apostles need to be sent. And so it's hard to grow something off of you sending people out all the time, if you know what I'm saying. It's not the idea. The idea is that we know what we're looking at. And down through the years, the missionaries and the apostles will tend to find us. So then when that happens, not only do we love them, we're demanded and commanded by the scriptures to love them and then to embrace them and to help them in their journeys. The most I've found over the years that with apostles and missionaries that are sent out, the biggest need they have is for somebody to love them. That's the biggest need. And it's important for missions and apostles. What makes an apostle an apostle is they're recognized as an apostle. You're not an apostle. It's how people recognize you. And as this church recognizes that, for some reason in, in the spirit, it's very important that it comes to fruition here on earth because we are the representation of Christ as the church. So then people are sent out. And now I'm going to ask for a raise of hands. So how many people want to go on missions and be an apostle? <laughs> okay, that'll be for another day. Now. One thing about a, an apostle or, I mean, I've had people say to me I, a lot of times, Alan, well, you're just an apostle. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not. I'll be glad to pray for them and send them out, but I'm not one. But we have a lot of them in there that we're connected with, and I'm honored to be connected with them. But I'm also understand the need of a home base that they have. And also I understand that we have a responsibility of a commissioning of these apostles. So everybody that we're in relationship with in missions are basically apostles going out from this church. 
Then there's others we embrace, even though we don't financially support them. It's not that you have to financially support them to be sent out from here. We've sent out many. And it's amazing to me how I'm just thinking back right now of some that we've sent out in the last five years, thinking that subconsciously, I think we think that, okay, we're going to help these missions. And in turn, they'll help the church and blessing the church because we're, you know, it's kind of a two-way relationship. In all honesty, it's more of a one-way relationship than two. It tends to be, not a, it's not a rule, but it tends to be with a lot of people when we send them out, you don't see them anymore. And when that happens, we've done a good job. We've sent well, if you will, even though when they need to come home five or 10 years later, then we'll, we usually see them. That's not negating the fact we have some here. We got Jackie and Dan, which they come here regularly, but then they leave on their journeys. But in a lot of situations, you'll find that as soon as you send them, or if you have any idea in your mind, they're going to help this church, grow this church, you're not seeing the calling properly. That's not the way it is. You release. You see, if anything, you catch for a moment and then release, kind of like championship fishing, I guess. Okay, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, so I, I'm so honored that, what's your name again, Trevor? Blake and Tracy, we're honored that the Lord's led you here. And there's a lot of things we're not, but a covering, that doesn't really do justice. It's covering, but the relationship you'll find here is real. And that relationship is real. And we could not see you for five years. And the way we operate around here, we have what we call a no maintenance relationship. And if you show up in five years, we'll pick up right where we left off. <laughs> no explanation needed because we know what our purpose is. And, and the reason we love you already is because when God, when you send somebody out and God calls them here, God puts a love in your heart for people. I've actually been to a point, I said, God, I can't know that I can love anymore. Don't you think we're full? but the love of God's vast. So at this church, if we have a goal, it's that God would increase our level of the love of God to those that he brings here for us to send out into mission as apostles. And it's in light of that, that I declare this is an apostolic church. Amen. Amen. Okay. And now as we move on here with these four horsemen, as I try to capture where I'm headed. You know, these four horsemen, we've been over them. Here we see that we started when the lamb broke the fourth seal. I heard a voice. We're going into the fourth seal or the fourth horseman here, which is a green horse. If you look at that chart, you have a white, red, black, green, or livid, it said, a horse. And we need to understand too, and I'm so glad that we had that little ceremony here this morning because the book of Revelation is written in light of many that have been sent out many that's been sent out. And also for us as members of this church and those watching online, in one sense of the word, we're all apostles in waiting. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. I can prove that. We're all apostles in waiting. And I'll give you a little secret right quick. They all died, if that helps you any, on how to be an apostle that's sent. We're all dying to our selfishness that Christ might live through us. But we see here on this fourth horse, and the Lamb broke the fourth seal. I heard the voice of a fourth a living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a pale horse, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death and Hades. Now that's important. Two names. Death and hell, death and Hades, was falling with him. And I covered a little bit of that last week. Authority was given to them over a fourth part of the earth. It's important. Remember that fourth part of the earth. Fourth sounds like a small number. Fourth of the earth is a big number. To kill with a sword. Well, I'll give you another example. Satan was cast out of heaven with a third of the angels. 
right? That doesn't sound like, well, a third smaller number. Well, a third is smaller than two-thirds. And so you keep this in mind, and we'll see this in Revelation. Satan has a lower number of angels, so he needs to make up his army. He needs a bigger army, and he solicits humans to be members of his army. And so we need to understand, you can say, Alan, I'm neutral. I'm sorry, you're either for God or against God. It's one, there's no neutral, neutral territory. And so you're either for or against, and we need to have a concept that the enemy's trying to build his army. He knows he's running a little short, and he's trying to build it. And you can look on the earth now. I can see some members I think he's gained. It appears that he's capturing humans uh, fast, really fast. And then the sadness is, my Bible, it even says there'll be a great falling away. And is that negating the possibilities of a great revival? No, it's not a great revival. God is always in heaven waiting for us to repent. So a lot of times we think we're waiting on God to trigger revival, and God's saying revival's here. Y'all trigger it. Dare me. That's what's happening. So the possibilities is always with us. The limiting factor is humanity. So he speaks about death and Hades over a fourth part of the earth, and it says to kill. So they have a mission, and that is to kill. Now, I want us to look at it just a little deeper. Some of the most dangerous plagues are microscopic man-made through biological terrorism. Now, I went over some things last week. I've actually had a lot of conversations this past week about them. And I'm just, I'm not going to recapture last week. I'm going to move on. I will mention one or two things here. But one of the agendas is population control agenda. That was hard for me to wrap my brain around. When I heard that, I thought, well, conspiracy theory. And so therefore, and I even mentioned last week, some say I'm a conspiracy theorist. And I guess in one way that I am, but I haven't gotten to them yet. Everything I've shown you is fact up to this point. So population control agenda is a true fact. It's hard. This is hard to believe. And I put that in there for me. Is there part of you that that's hard to believe? Population control. I mean, that's really hard to believe. But we see that a fourth of the earth, according to the scriptures, is going to, to be removed. But we don't necessarily ask ourselves how. How is that going to happen? And in all honesty, it is to grab a phrase from Chuck Missler, the way this, it's hard for that to be accomplished a hundred years ago with muskets, but because of the technology of today, that's not hard to accomplish. So we can see that technology almost had to be here before some of these scriptures in the book of Revelation make sense. So one reason our teachers of old couldn't make much sense of the book is the technology was not on planet earth to pull off these huge events. The Lord's strategy is love and life. Satan's strategy is hate and death and to undo all of God's creation. So if he can't destroy it and kill it, it's going to pervert it, like male, female, yada, yada, yada. Y'all know how it goes. So it's always in a manipulation of God's creation. Now, as a farmer, GMO seeds seems productive because I understand the benefits and I've got a few slides here on that. But I understand the benefit. I mean, mankind, it used to be in farming, you sprayed for insects. And if you didn't spray for insects, you wouldn't have any food. You wouldn't have a harvest against popular demand or belief. You try to have an organic farm or garden, and you have a lot of, you'll find a lot of challenges. And so we created these insecticides to kill insects. And back in that day, which is in my earlier years of farming, on the barrels or on the quart jars would be skull and crossbones. Y'all remember that? That meant it was deadly. 
So anything with skull and crossbones on it was very deadly. And when you would get it, it would be in concentrated form. You could just get it on your skin and die, actually. But as farmers, I had a lot of skull and crossbone insecticides. And there's proper ways to handle it. And you didn't have to worry about handling it wrong twice. Everybody called on quickly could lose your lungs and everything else over it. So anyway, we the learning curve was pretty quick. And we utilized them some, somewhat very successful. And that's it was a big increase because we killed insects. Humanity, humans didn't like skull and crossbones. They didn't like the concept. They didn't like the idea. So science came up with a way to get rid of insects without using poisons. Sounds like a good idea. So we're going to create a plant or a seed or a soybean or a corn. We're going to put a protein in it that insects don't like. So therefore, when they go eat a grain of corn, and they, they, there's something there that stinks to them or whatever. I, I can't imagine a stink bug smelling something that stinks. But it, it, we created something that the insect didn't like it. And then they got a little bit, got it perfected a little more, and they could even genetically alter the grain so that if a bug ate it, it would die. And that's where we are basically today. Now, in, when I plant corn and with GMO, corn, which 98% of all corn today is GMO, but they hold out what's called heirloom corn. That's, that's corn that has not been genetically altered. So if I plant 10 rows, two rows of the 10 rows has to be seed that's not been genetically altered, and eight rows can be genetically altered. The reason for that is, is to maintain a slight population of insects. Two reasons. One is they don't know what GMOs is going to do to the ecosystem. And number two, they do not want the insects to evolve so that the altered proteins don't affect them. So if you go 100%, it doesn't take long till they can deal with it. They'll genetically alter themselves, so therefore you got to continually change the proteins and yada yada. So they're trying to slow down the process of these mutations of genes and of insects. Now, key word is that you have, what happened with, with COVID was when it started duplicating itself, that you left the original COVID virus and they have mutations and so it starts dealing and it starts changing itself. Of course, everybody's hope was that it COVID virus wouldn't do that. And I know all of the conversation about the, the vaccines, I understand that. The biggest culprit in vaccines, probably, I'm not a scientist, but probably the biggest culprit in vaccines not working at all is because the mutation was so quickly done by the COVID virus. By the time you got a shot for it, it already turned in from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And so to think that you can keep up with it with a vaccine is so, but we're living in a day that these insects, viruses, whatever, they can change their form so quickly. I know we think we're pretty smart, but we can't move fast enough. I don't care if you believe in science. I don't care if you're pro-vaccine or if you're against vaccine. It makes no difference to me. These boogers are moving way too fast. Insects, viruses, whatever we would put under pestilence, right, in, this, in the book of Revelation here, whatever. Bacteria, same way with antibiotics. That's one reason when your doctor says, I don't want you, we don't want to overuse antibiotics. The reason is, is bacteria, or viruses are a little different, but bacteria knows how to replicate itself in a way that the penicillins and those things that we come against bacteria with, they can create, they can morph into something that it won't, it won't bother it. And so we're there, we're there today in a lot of situations. That's the reason. And we've, in taking 
uh, antibiotics. We've all contributed because the doctor could give you antibiotics for five, 10 days. Say they give you antibiotics for eight to 10 days. We all start feeling better in four or five and we quit taking them. Oh, well, I'm feeling better now. I don't want to take no more than I need. But the problem is with bacteria, you got weak ones and you got strong ones. The strong ones that keep living. You probably just killed off 90% of the little bugs or the weaker bacteria, but you still got the mother load living in you and you need to take the whole thing so that it's actually killed. Does that make sense? You can get feeling better. So when we do that and don't fully take it and kill it, then we are programming the DNA of this bacteria. We're helping it to overcome. Does that make sense to anybody? I mean, I'm just a farmer trying to, I can just put it in layman's terms. Trevor could do a much better job. But, but nonetheless, this is what's happening. And we see that in the day that we're living in, we'd like to lean on science a lot as our savior. We've all got this idea that science and the world and everything's getting better and better and better. And I've said to Trevor many times, not directing it towards him because he's not this way, but the smart people's let me down. Because when I went to school, the smart people that knew algebra and geometry and biology, they, they were, in my mind, I didn't know it like they did. So to me, they were the guardians of the truth because they knew what the truth was. And to make an A or A plus, you had to answer it correctly with the truth. So therefore, in my mind, the smart people were the guardians of the truth. But now the smart people's let me down. They haven't guarded the truth. So the same thing that's happened to bacteria, to insects, the same, the mutations into something that God didn't create it to be is happening also in our science and in our smart people. I think our country needs smart people. It's the only way I know to say it. And our smart people have been invaded through our universities, through this uh, awoke type culture, I'll say it out loud. Through a lot of different things, we need to pray for the intellectuals of our country and of this world because they are being invaded by a virus and they, not only that, they are mutating, they are becoming some, they're learning how to get around the truth. And this is part of our problem of the intellectual scene is that they have been invaded and now the truth doesn't affect them. Can anybody hear what I'm trying to say? Now this is a dangerous place to be because the intellectuals, I don't care if you were a believer or not, you still were a guardian of truth. And now we're seeing that they're rewriting uh, new definitions to truth that are not truthful. And so that's part of the, when we see this thing evolve, I will not stand before God as guilty as some intellectuals. I'll let you figure that one out. Now, Satan's strategy is to bring humanity into his army as it is only one third of the angels. Now, the depopulation agenda, of course, we went over that a little bit last week. I just got one slide that came out of last week's Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood. We went over that whole thing. Our tax money finances Planned Parenthood, an organization founded by Margaret Sanger. This is under the population control ideology is this particular person here. Here are a few quotes. Its leaders proclaim that they are proud of our past and planning for our future. The necessity of extermination of human weeds is what they're calling humanity the sensation of charity, the segregation of morons and misfits. Now, I have called this church a church of misfits. I've never called us morons, <laughs> just, just for the record. You know, sometimes it's guilt by association. So just a little thought there. The misfits and the maladjusted and the sterilization of genetically inferior races as they saw fit. Now, there again, my mistake is it is, in all honesty, I am somewhat of a simplistic type person. I farm, 
to my thinking tends to be simplistic. So it is hard for me to wrap my brain around that someone is that evil. Is it anybody? Is it y'all? Is it not hard to, I mean, I, I see it. At 70 years old, I'm in the process of life of accepting this is some people that evil. And for some reason, I don't know why, that's just huge for me. I can't quite get over it. And then with Hamas, what's happened there, there's something that's just happened with us in Israel and the killing of children. And it's just like, I'm like, how do you get that evil? And then we have to consider, we have people here in our nation, in our universities, young, young adults and people who are rejoicing that those things happened. How do you do that? I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, Baptist or Methodist. I mean, how can you rejoice in such chaos? And the truth is, my point is, I'm afraid the world's not getting better and better. I'm afraid that worldwide and globally that we're going downhill, we're going downhill quickly. So as Christians, it is just, the Word of God almost demands us to be different than the world. I could see 30 years ago, if you wasn't too different from the world, we can kind of get by with it, but you can't get, you just can't get by with it now. If you're not different today, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you, give you 30 years ago when there wasn't much difference in you in the world. But today there better be a big difference. And even though I find people even my age still trying to blend with the world so that people don't think they're not cool or not spiritually cool. And I still see this happening, wanting to be accepted by humanity. And we even have churches today. There is one church down in Georgia. The son's father was a preacher, a very good preacher. And his son has a a church bigger than his. Y'all know who I'm talking about. And his stand on homosexuality. He's trying to be culturally relevant. And I want to be culturally relevant. I really do. But the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of God. Now, believe it or not, the culture of this world is hoping that there is a culture of heaven. They really are. Might not act like it. But most people, except for a few of these idiots that will kill babies, you got to be so far gone there. I'm sure the cross can reach there. But the Lord will have to do it. I can't see it. But nonetheless... We are living in a culture that as Christians, we've got to remember that we are to be different from the world. That's not to be an oddball, but somewhere somebody's got to be in a lifeboat saying, if you're drowning, come here. Somebody, that means the lifeboat looks different than the ocean. That's all. We got to be different so there's a, you can distinguish something. We got to be able to, to distinguish that we're different. And so I'm not saying that we're different just for difference sake. But I am saying that we're different so that people that are lost know where they can go. And that's to me, as we get into the book of Revelation, it's a huge thing. I sort of touched on this last week, the Tuskegee study. I'll hit it quickly. The influence of population control advocates can be seen in the Tuskegee study, a scientific research program. I guess scientific research is supposed to make it legitimate. Can you see how we have to be careful? in which 400 syphilis-infected black men were recruited by the U.S. Public Health Service in 1932. The participants were told that they would be treated for their infections, but instead had all effective medicine withheld. The black men were actively prevented from obtaining treatment elsewhere as their bodies and the bodies of their wives and children were systematically ravaged by the disease. Now, you can't tell me that this truth hasn't traveled since then, 1932, through the whole black community for all these years. If you want to know how, why some 
black Americans feel and think like they do and they don't trust, this is one example of why. All right? Now, I'm going to, I can show you. I didn't. I took them out. It's too much time. Now, also, the whites, if you knew it, you could have the same feeling. <laughs> but also, when you take this deception, as like this example, down through the years, then when it comes to a COVID shot, while we don't trust it, I'm like, duh, right? It's the credibility our government, because of people behaving badly, has ruined the credibility of our government, especially in the health sector, you see. So there's a, there's a, I want to trust what our government says as far as health is concerned. I want to. But there's part of me that it's been damaged. It's just been damaged. Now, I want us to see this as we continue into our study here. So anyway, the black men were actively prevented from attaining treatment elsewhere in their bodies, and the bodies of their wives and children were systematically ravaged by the disease. Now, we can say, well, this was back in 1932, Alan. Come on. The men who conceived this Nazi-style study, and I agree, justified by saying that the scientists needed to learn how the untreated syphilis progressed in the human body. So they were used as human guinea pigs. For 40 uh, years, until 19, from 1932 until 1972, it went on. This study went on for 40 years. Somebody could somebody not throw a rock at it in 40 years? The genocidal Tuskegee study continued here for 40 years. So we see that when we, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to tell you the truth. I am a, an American. I'm proud of being an American, and I'm a Smith, but I'm not proud of everything the Smiths have done through the years. And I'm not proud of everything America's done through the years. And what makes America, America, is with freedom of speech, we point out where we fail. That's what makes us what we are. We point out where we fail. I'm in a country that I can point out where we failed here, even though they could take me off YouTube for saying it. But still, yeah, we're in a country, YouTube's not our country, that these things can be pointed out and just understand that conversation of disagreement is not a bad thing. That's, that's not a bad thing. It's because that, back in the day, that's the way true science worked. You challenge to where you are by others challenging it so you can find a greater truth. That's, what, that's, that's true science. So we're finding not only is our government being taken over by the dark side in areas, our churches are being taken over by the dark side in areas. And the question is, is your heart and soul being taken over by the dark side in, in certain areas? Now, here's what I want us to consider. What causes us, Americans or whoever, most people want to be liked by people. That's just the truth. Most people will carry their conversations. Everything they'll do is so that you'll like them. Now, this is psychological truth. When a human doesn't know the right answer to something, when they are injected into a problem or a crisis or a situation, when people don't understand the right answer, they always yield to a benevolent answer because who's not going to like somebody that's not being benevolent? Does that make sense? So if you don't know the right answer, it's always, oh, I'm going to well, bless her little heart, right? That's what happens. So when I see students at Harvard carrying signs on their pro-Hamas, then there's others around and patting them on, well, that's bless your little heart. I'm like, no, somebody needs to tell them the kids the truth if they're teachable. Are, are you with me? I mean, there's a little insert, the Gaza Strip 
used to be where the the Philistines lived is the Gaza Strip. Has anybody ever heard of David killed a giant? What was his name? What was he? Yeah, right. And so that's where they lived. And they're always on the west side of Israel. And then when you read the scriptures and it talks about these enemies are out to their, it's usually talking about the, so the Palestinian name comes from Philistine. It's, that's where that's all come, is evolving from. And then you got all this stuff out there today. Well, that was, Israel was their homeland. I'm like, I'm like, okay, smart people, come on, where are you? Where's my smart people? Tell the press, smart, where's my smart people, Right? I'm a dumb farmer. Where's my smart people? The guardians of the truth. So now we got all of this non-truth out there and all of these people feeling and doing all these things because there's our people dumber than me that are leading the media. Are you scared now? (laughs) You should be. But I just want you to consider how it looks to me how this thing's working. And you can believe me or not, but there's not a day goes by but what I don't pray for the people that are intellectual, and in all honesty, my hat's always been off to intellectual people. It, I enjoy watching people that can really, I mean, y'all can see me, I can't even pronounce some words. And what in the world God's thinking with having me up here, I don't know. But I find myself here, but I will be very transparent and truthful with what I know, and y'all can test it for what I'm saying. Okay, enough on my personal sin. We're going to conclude for today. And we're going to pick up here next week. There's a lot I want to get in. As soon as I, I can't believe I didn't get any further than this. I hope I said something helpful. But as next week, as we move move out of this green horse, if you will, pale green horse, I'm going to hit a couple verses that we have to hit. Then I want to hit, get in, jump into a white horse. The second white horse is, which is the one that I'm very excited about. All right, everybody that loves me, stand up. Thank you. That's called a leading question. I noticed some of you are still sitting. I shouldn't have asked it. Okay, daddy, my daddy told me, he said, son, if you can't handle the truth, don't ask the question. And so, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, oh God, for your word. Lord, it is the truth that uh, our world's in a dilemma. But Lord, our trust for you is even more Lord, I don't feel any fear. I'm in amazement that we're living in the times that we have taught were coming. We find out, oh God, that it is later than we thought it was. So Lord, I pray that you'll help us, your people, to play catch up. Help us to trust you more. Help us to, to live this book and to look different from the world. I pray, oh God, as in our looking different. I pray for one thing and I ask for one thing only, that we'll have your presence and your anointing of the peculiar people that you've called us to be. I thank you for those that are here today, for the missionaries and the missions, for the missionaries that are in the making. And we do declare them as apostles of the kingdom of God, that they will carry a message Everyone's got a message. Help us carry a message, oh God, to those that need to hear the message we're carrying. And let it explode in anointing and conviction and healing. Because Jesus, you're our King. Jesus, you're the Savior of the world. Jesus, you are the healer of the broken hearts. You're the healer of the 
of the broken bodies. Jesus is the one that brings us peace of mind. Jesus is the one and the reason that we live. And the people of God said in agreement, amen and amen. Thank you.